This episode of Brailcast Extra is made possible thanks to a grant from the Winston Churchill Memorial Trust. For more information about the Trust, visit its website at wcmt.org.uk. Welcome back, and coming up, using Braille as a presentation tool. This session was recorded on Tuesday the 9th of February 2021 and was introduced by Dave Williams. Hello, good evening, and a very warm welcome to the Braillists Foundation Tuesday Evening Braille Masterclasses, held this time each Tuesday. And tonight, Holly Scott Gardner will be leading us in Braille and presentations, how to deliver that killer presentation that you might need for a job interview or a presentation at work, or it might be in education, a very important life skill to be able to deliver a presentation and how might Braille support you in that endeavor. So we'll be coming to Holly very shortly. As always with the Braillist Foundation, these sessions are carefully uh, moderated in line with our moderation policy. So we would ask that you remain on mute unless uh, invited to do otherwise. This just enables everybody to clearly hear what's been said throughout the session. There will be an opportunity to ask your questions toward the end of the session. Uh, and I understand from our moderator, Ben, this evening uh, that the chat function is enabled. So if you do have a question uh, and uh, you, you want to get it out there, uh, then do post that in the chat and we will get to those in due course. Uh, speaking of Ben, good evening. Good evening. How, how are you doing today, Dave? I'm very well, sir. Yourself? Yeah, not so bad. Re really looking forward to this one, actually. You know, I say it every week, but I, I sort of, I'm in this sort of tricky point with Braille where I, I feel like it would help me when I do presentations, but then I always sort of only figure it out that I only think about it the night before, and I think, oh, can I really, can I really be bothered to, to sort of suss it all out just before the presentation? So I'm, I'm really glad that we've got this session today because I think this finally might be the, the thing that convinces me to make the switch from speech to braille for presentations. What we'll do, Ben, uh, later on when we take the questions, we'll get you to just remind everybody how to uh, raise hands and, and all that sort of thing. So we'll, we'll come back to you in due course and you're going to be uh, keeping an eye on the chat window as well. Certainly will. Sounds good to me. Excellent. Thanks very much, Ben. So without any further ado, a voice that hopefully is becoming familiar to many of us over the weeks, uh, background in education, has trained with the NFB in the United States, uh, has become uh, something of an advocate for many uh, blindness related issues on social media and uh, somebody who has been championing Braille on our behalf. Good evening, Holly Scott Gardner. Hi, Dave. How are you? I'm well. Great. Well, I'm really looking forward to this session. I'm enthusiastic because, I mean, Braille is obviously something I'm passionate about and I'm really wanting to get people the kind of skills they need to be able to use Braille in more formal settings, whether that be the workplace or academia, or even if someone has an interest, you know, and they want to present on that interest. I think it's really important to have those skills. Okay, so, well, the floor's all yours, Holly, and uh, take it away. Great. So what I'm going to do in this session is really go through everything and then open up for questions at the end. Um, when we get there, as Dave mentioned, we'll come back to Ben and he will talk about raising hands. However, if you do want to talk in the chat throughout the presentation, it's absolutely fine. In fact, 
we encourage you to do that and kind of leave your questions so that you don't forget them because this may take a few minutes and so I don't want you to forget any questions that have come up during the session before we actually get to you. Just before you get started, Holly, uh, just a reminder, of course, uh, for anyone who is new, the Brailleist Foundation, we run sessions um, throughout the week on Zoom. Thursday evening is our popular uh, book club, Braille book club, uh, where you have the opportunity to read with um, other Braille readers. On Friday, we have an open forum uh, where people just have a bit of a catch up and wind down for the uh, the weekend. Uh, and then on the Monday evening, continuing is our Braille for Beginners uh, session now with our second cohort. And then, of course, this time each Tuesday, our Braille for uh, Masterclass sessions, our, our Braille Masterclass sessions. Now, I see George Bell has uh, has raised his hand. Uh, ben, do we want to recognise George at this stage or should we uh, do you um, put your question in the chat, can, George? Uh uh up to holly i can uh, we can bring george in quickly if uh, you like holly yep um yeah we can do i mean i really definitely encourage us not to take too many questions at the beginning but if we have an urgent question then yeah we can i'll just bring you in quickly now george you're unmuted it's very quick actually you seem to have chat disabled we were very, very oh, good thank spot. You thank so you much. for our uh, deliberate uh, test. We will look. We will look <laughs> to enable that if possible. Uh, so keep an eye on the chat if okay. uh, if that will work. Thank you, Cheers. George. Okay, fine. Yeah, if not, we'll definitely be taking know. audio questions later. Holly, I feel like I've <laughs> held you up long enough. So uh, over to you. Okay. Well, so I'm going by talking about why you actually might want to use braille while presenting and for some of you this may seem quite obvious but i think there are lots of people who really hesitate who go well i present pretty well using a screen reader will braille actually bring me anything else and i think these are valid questions and things that actually we should address before we look at how you present in braille so if you're a fast braille reader presenting using braille may result in a more fluid reading experience some people can present really well from speech. And I want to acknowledge that. It doesn't have to be an either or. You don't have to be someone who says, well, Braille is the only way to present or speech is the only way to present. They're both valid ways. And some people do present very well using speech. But if you find yourself stumbling over the words a lot and constantly having to repeat yourself and check what your screen reader said, Braille may be a more efficient option for you. It also allows you to be free of headphones and this serves two purposes. So firstly, you may look more attentive to the audience. This is particularly the case when presenting live and when you're presenting to a sighted audience. There is very much a perception that if you're wearing headphones, then you're not paying attention and you're not really engaged. And of course, we know that's not true because many of us as blind people are really used to the old trick of one headphone on, one headphone off where you are actually paying attention but for a lot of people it can be quite difficult to actually conceptualize that when they're watching someone and I think whilst typically I would say do what's best for you as a blind person and I really stand by that I think it's also important to consider the audience and how engaged they will be if they can see you wearing headphones particularly if you're presenting in a context like a job interview where you really want to make your best impression possible and whether rightly or wrongly, you're going to have to contend with those kinds of misconceptions. There is a benefit to you, though, as a blind person for not wearing headphones. 
and that's that you're better able to read the room. Now, we tend to think of reading the room as something you do by looking, but I don't think that has to be the case at all. There's a lot you can gather about your audience by listening to them. Are people fidgeting around? Do you hear chairs constantly squeaking? Do you hear people constantly playing with their phones? And actually, if there's a large number of people, particularly if their phones aren't on silent, you'll hear that very distinctive clicking sound as they're texting. Well, we do know that in this day and age, being on your phone, again, it doesn't necessarily mean that your audience aren't paying attention. For all you know, they could be taking really comprehensive notes. And that is something to consider. But I do think that by not wearing headphones, you get this really good sense of the room. And there's these cues in the atmosphere that you can pick up on. Are people really engaged with me? You know, or do I feel like maybe I need to change the tempo of my presentation a bit? And that's something I found when I'm not wearing headphones, I'm really able to do that. Another advantage for you as a blind person is that you can play audio and video content without having to change the output of your screen reader. So if you do choose to present with both Braille and speech, I definitely recommend changing the output of your screen reader or the audio output so that it goes to your headset and the media goes to your speakers. I also recommend wearing only one headphone or investing in bone conducting headphones. So what I mean by all of this is that what you want to ensure is that if you are using speech, then your audience isn't hearing the speech, especially if you have speakers connected so that you're also sharing an audio clip or a video. So what you can do in your screen readers is you can actually change where the output of that goes. So you could set it so that your JAWS or NVDA output went to your headset and then your media player output went to the speakers. And I really recommend doing that because you don't want these things to get mixed. Phone conducting headphones allow you to have the best of both worlds. So they sit just on your cheekbones and they do kind of what the name suggests they conduct sound through the bones in your face so what this means is that it leaves your ears open so that you're really able to hear what's going on around you but you also get the benefit of being able to hear your computer so if you're someone who finds that presenting using both speech and braille is advantageous then i would definitely recommend investing in bone conducting headphones and as a blind person they are a worthwhile purchase anyway because you can do things like listen to GPS when you're out and about traveling and still keep your ears open. So they serve more than one function in your life. I, I think they're a worthwhile investment. Given this overview on why you might want to use Braille when you're presenting and some of those kind of tips and tricks for getting the most out of it. But I'm going to talk very, very briefly about some available presentation tools. And what I mean by this is pieces of software that will allow you to create and view presentations. So these pieces of software you will use to actually write your presentations and then to display the slideshow. A number of pieces of software can be used to write presentations. And this session is going to focus on two of them, Microsoft PowerPoint and Google Slides. Other options are available such as Keynote, which is made by Apple and which you can access on a Mac or on iOS devices. However, with limited time, I chose to focus on only two pieces of software and I did choose these for strategic reasons. It's also worth mentioning that you could write a presentation in something like Markdown, 
which would negate the need for presentation software at all. I'm not going to go into how to do that or why to do that. However, later on in our series of masterclasses, I am going to deliver a session on note-taking for other people. And I'll be talking quite extensively about Markdown in that session. So if you're curious to know what is Markdown, then I definitely recommend showing up to that masterclass. You can also choose to present without a visual aid for the audience. And this tends to take place in more public speaking settings. And I'm going to talk about that next week. So which out of these two pieces of software should you use between Google Slides or Microsoft PowerPoint? Well, we can't tell you which one you should use to create your presentation, because this will depend on a number of factors, such as the technology available to you and your own needs. You may also find that the situation dictates the software. For example, in an academic or workplace setting or where you're working on a group project, the software package may have already been decided in advance. It's best to know how to use both of these tools, in my opinion, though you're likely to develop a preference for one over the other. So what's the difference between Microsoft PowerPoint and Google Slides? Well, firstly, the most obvious difference is that they're made by different companies. PowerPoint comes as part of Microsoft Office and Slides is part of the Google suite of products. So if you've heard of things like Google Docs, Slides comes along with that. And as Microsoft Word is part of Microsoft Office, so is PowerPoint. If your workplace or academic institution uses Office 365, you should be able to get access to PowerPoint. Google Slides can be accessed using your Google account. Google Slides is a free web-based tool. All you need to access it is a Google account, which most people will have or can create easily. So this is really important to know. In contrast, to use PowerPoint most effectively, you'll need to purchase Microsoft Office, that was mentioned, getting access to Office 365 through a workplace or academic institution is fairly standard. The advantage of Google Slides is that as a web-based web tool, you can access it from anywhere. If you're using a library computer, you only need to log in using your Google account and access the web, and you can access all the presentations that you've been working on, as well as group projects. Collaboration is also arguably easier using Google Slides because it's really set up for these projects where you're working on them with a team. So you can add people to the slides and same with Google Docs and Google Sheets, which is their spreadsheet tool. And you can work on these presentations online and it syncs really easily. Having said all of this, one of the major downfalls of Google Slides is that many companies will expect you to send them a PowerPoint file. So if you're going to deliver a presentation at work and you need to put it on a work computer, or let's say you're going to deliver a presentation somewhere else, maybe you're a fundraiser and you produce your presentations, often they'll require a file which is compatible with PowerPoint. And um, whilst you can output from Google Slides to PowerPoint, it can often really alter the formatting and make it really visually unappealing. So you end up having to go into PowerPoint anyway to do a lot of the work to clean that up. So it's really worth bearing in mind. Also, PowerPoint is a more robust tool. It's certainly more well-established and you've got a much wider range of options available to you. I personally prefer PowerPoint, but whether that's because it's better or because I'm more used to it is up for debate. 
I'm very used to receiving PowerPoint presentations in an academic context. So I'm, I'm really used to reading them, navigating them, building my own. So that's probably why I've developed a preference. As a blind person, you can absolutely use both of them. And I'm now going to look at the process for creating presentations in firstly Google Slides and then moving on to PowerPoint. And we'll go through the creation process to viewing the presentation. Now, to explain how I'm going to do this, I am actually going to talk quite extensively about the keystrokes you'll use for this. And you might think, well, why are you talking about keystrokes when we're talking about doing this in Braille? And the reason for this is that these keystrokes are very standardized, whereas how to um, produce those, reproduce them on your Braille display is not necessarily. So some displays will have thumb keys, some will have extra navigation keys, some will have cursor routing buttons, some will have all of these things, and some displays will have none of these things and others will have somewhere in between. So whereas you may find a command on a focus display might be different to an orbit, for example, and I can't go through every single one. What I am going to do though is talk about the keystroke you'll use on your computer. So as a proficient Braille display user, you can then replicate those keystrokes on the display that you have. I decided that that was the best way of doing this, considering the audience we have and the diversity in equipment and operating systems. I have produced a handout, which you don't need to follow along with this session, but it will be available on our website. And I encourage you to look at that because it will go in more depth into the specifics of these commands. So creating and viewing a presentation using Braille um, with Google Slides is quite simple. Firstly though, you need to open Chrome and navigate to the address bar. And the reason I say open Chrome is because to use the Google Suites of products most effectively, you need to be on a Chromium-based browser. So you'll be looking at Chrome or Edge and out of those two options, Chrome really is the best one. When you're in Google Chrome, navigate to the address bar and I use Alt-D to do this and you want to type in slides.new. What that does is that opens up a new Google Slides presentation. So you can start building your presentation. To view Google Slides most effectively, there are some settings you're going to need to tweak, particularly if you're a JAWS user. So to do this, you're going to want to hit JAWS key and F2 and navigate to the settings center. Then go to web slash HTML settings and navigation. You want to make sure that smart navigation is turned off and document presentation mode is set to simple layout. And now save those settings and close the settings center. When you're in the new presentation, you can enable and disable Braille presentation mode by pressing Control Alt H. Funnily enough, I actually recommend you disable this. And that may sound strange as I'm really talking about using Google Slides with Braille, but I've actually found when Braille presentation mode is enabled, it's more of a nightmare to use slides. So what you'll find now is that you can kind of tab through 
your presentation. Before you do that, I would recommend choosing one of the very simple layouts. So you can choose dark mode, for example, or light mode. Both of these are really simple presentation layouts. Just hit enter on one of those. Then you can tab through. You'll hear title and you can immediately start typing. So you can either type using braille keyboard entry on your braille display or using the QWERTY keyboard on your computer. Once you've typed in your title, you'll want to press escape to get out of that text field. Otherwise you'll try tabbing and it will just add tabs into that text field, which is something you don't want to do. You'll tab and find the subtitle field. Much like the title field, you just start typing and then to exit that, hit escape. This first slide is really used to introduce your presentation. So it has the title and the subtitle. So you may want to write, for example, the name of your presentation and then the subtitle, your own name, or you might write the name of it and then the, the name of your workplace, whatever is appropriate for what you're doing. To insert a new slide, you want to press Control M. Now this new slide will automatically appear and it's going to look slightly different from that first slide. So instead of just having a title and subtitle, it has a title and body. So the body is where you'll want to input more lengthy pieces of text, so your bullet points. So in the title field, you'll want to put the title for that first slide. And then in the body field, you'll want to start typing those bullet points. Now, what I will say is that, again, you can tab to these fields or use the appropriate command on your display, start typing, and then hit the escape key to get out of that. To start your presentation, you'll press Control F5. And what this does is it starts it in a kind of slideshow format so that if you're presenting live, then people can see your presentation. And this is what you'll do when you've built your presentation. You'll keep pressing Control M to add all these slides until you're done. And then you can press Control F5 to view it. The text will display on your Braille display and it's really easy to access then. You can use the arrow keys to move between slides and the tab key to move between different parts of the slides so from the title to the body. Control F5 will take you out of the slideshow and back to editing mode. What I will say is that with the um, Braille mode off or disabled, it's really easy to navigate this way. And I found it the most effective way of doing it. Definitely sounds counterintuitive, disabling the Braille presentation mode, but it's worked very well for me. There's a really great video on YouTube actually, where a assistive tech trainer goes through how to do all this and you get to hear their speech going through it. And I have included the link to that video in the handout. And the reason I didn't do this myself today is because I thought, well, you'll probably want to go at different speeds and be trying it out as you go through the video. So actually having a YouTube video that you can go along with is a really good resource. And it didn't make sense to recreate something that's very concise and works really well. So that resource is listed in the um, handout, which will go up on the media page. Using Google Slides is fairly simple. What I will say is it can be a bit frustrating if you're editing the presentation along with other people at the same time. I'm not sure there's necessarily a perfect workaround for this. It's unfortunately one of those things. 
it's in some ways much easier to visually see a screen update than it is when you're using a screen reader. And as your braille display is driven by the screen reader, there's not an awful lot you can do about that beyond keep working away at using Google Slides until you get used to it. Creating reading presentations in PowerPoint is surprisingly similar. You'd think given that they're made by different companies, the process would be wildly different, but it's actually not. Yes, there are differences and I'm going to go over these, but luckily many of the keystrokes are the same or similar. So that saves you a lot of a headache. And this is an advantage because as I said, it's really best that you feel comfortable using both these pieces of software because you never know what the expectation will be in the workplace or in academia or just for, um, for example, the example I use of fundraising. If you're familiar with Microsoft Office or Windows, creating presentations in PowerPoint is a fairly painless experience. By connecting your display to your computer, you'll be able to read any text displayed on the screen without having to change too many settings. So this is a relief. You can also input text using Braille keyboard entry. When you open a PowerPoint, you'll be presented with a choice of themes. And anyone who's used Office will be really familiar with this. You open up, whether it's Word, whether it's PowerPoint, and it comes with a screen where it will say blank, um, or it might give you various different templates. I always tend towards caution, and I use the blank presentation template. I do this as the themes have more questionable results than others. And as a screen reader user, some of them are more accessible. Also, some of them visually look quite interesting. Interesting isn't always the look you want to go for. And as a blind person, it's best to be, I would say, minimalistic, or that is my personal preference. I would highly recommend choosing the blank template, particularly if you're experimenting with your braille display, because there's way less to deal with, so you can really get down into the meat of how to access it using Braille and then work on building in all those extra features. Much like in Google Slides, the first slide you open has a centered title and a subtitle. So when you're on the title, you can start typing and then hit escape to navigate out of the text field. So this is all very familiar. Again, you use tab to get to the subtitle and fill it in and then make sure you hit escape to get out of it. One nice tip for using PowerPoint is that if you've already filled in those text fields but want to get back into them to edit them, you can hit F2 and it will open up the edit box. So if you tab to where the title is and hit F2, it will open up that text field and you can edit the title. And this is really useful because what you don't want to do is start hitting backspace or start typing and accidentally delete what you've already written if all you want to do is change one character so that f2 will take you into that text field without actually changing anything it's also a useful command because you can use that f2 command in excel for example and edit a cell so if you've written a very long number and again you just want to delete one character hit and it will take you into that cell. So useful whether you're working with presentations or spreadsheets. Again, very familiar command, use control M to add a new slide. And as you'll remember, this was the command used in Google Slides. This is really useful because you don't have to remember too many commands. And if you're like me, the less commands you have to remember, the better. It definitely makes for a more painless experience. Second slide looks slightly different from the first one. So again, as with Google Slides, 
it has a title and then what's called an object field. So in the title, as I mentioned with Google Slides, you'll write whatever you want the title of that slide to be. And in the object field, you'll write your bullet points. In PowerPoint, that object field, once you go to edit it, it already has bullet points in there. Now that can change depending on what layout you use and what options you change. I'm not going to go into all those options because this isn't really a session on the ins and outs of PowerPoint itself, but needless to say, there is a lot you can change. To navigate between slides when editing, press page up and page down. Again, how you do that may look slightly different depending on the display you're using. To start the slideshow, you'll want to use F5. And the view for these slides when you're in slideshow mode, I think it's really nice as a Braille display user. Um, you can simply arrow through the content or read it on your display using the thumb keys. So to move between slides in slideshow mode, again, you can use page up and down. And there are different commands you can use to move between slides and the Microsoft website has a whole list of all those keystrokes. One thing I do want to mention is that there are different view modes which can be activated in PowerPoint and it pays to know what these are so you can choose the most appropriate view mode for the situation you're in. So when editing, you'll be using what we call the normal view. And that is um, just when you tab around and when you can fill in those fields. I've already mentioned viewing the presentation as a slideshow and you'll want to do this if you're presenting on a large screen to an audience. So what slideshow mode does is it occupies the whole screen. And so when you're delivering the presentation to an audience, you really want them to be able to see all of those slides and the content on those slides. And so slideshow mode really is the best option for that situation. Presenter view can be activated using Alt plus F5. Unlike the slideshow mode, this doesn't occupy the whole screen and it has several different options as well. It's best used when your audience have their own copy of the presentation or we are using it for your own reference only. So let's say you're in a situation where actually you're not displaying the presentation on the screen. You sent out that presentation to your audience in advance. They're viewing it on their own computers. You may want to use presenter mode. Now, what I will say about this is I've personally found slideshow mode way less cluttered. So even if I'm reading the slides myself, I tend to use that mode. However, presenter mode does offer some interesting features such as a timer. So if you want to time the delivery of your presentation, you may want to check out some of those features. There's this very helpful list of keystrokes available on the Microsoft website, and I've included those in the handout. And those keystrokes really cover everything from creating the presentation to viewing it to all the different things you can do and for some things such as move between slides there are multiple keystrokes you can choose from there's a few things to remember when creating presentations and some of these may sound like they have nothing to do with braille but actually they do so Creating accessible presentations is really important because if you need to share them with an audience, you want to make sure they can access it. This is particularly true if you're emailing your presentation out as a file. So both the Google suite of products and Microsoft Office allows you to add alt text to any images you've included in your presentation. This is important for accessibility reasons, but it will also help you when presenting in Braille. 
So one thing I always say is that it's not only important to think of how you can make your content accessible to your audience, but also to yourself. And I think sometimes we cut these corners and go, oh, I'll be fine, I'll be fine. I don't need to do this. And then actually you end up having a big headache later because you really should have built the name from the start. So if there's no alt text, you'll have to remember what images you've included in your presentation and where they are. Whereas if you add alt text, you can read those descriptions on your Braille display. And this is a really good thing to remind people of because actually alt text descriptions aren't displayed on screen. So if you don't want your audience to be able to see them, if you're presenting to a sighted audience and you've included some really nice pictures, and particularly if your presentation's very picture heavy, you don't necessarily want your audience to see those long text descriptions, but you want to see them. So adding them as alt text is really helpful because you can kind of sneakily read them on your Braille display and your audience doesn't see them. So it means that they get this really nice visual experience and you also get this very accessible experience. This is something I found really helpful myself because it means I'm not having to mess around trying to switch between the presentation and my notes and try not to push things off the screen, but my audience doesn't necessarily see all that extra information I have. So the most important thing I would say to be aware of is that using a Braille display with these products requires you to be comfortable with the commands used on your display. And I have mentioned this already, but it's worth testing these out as different displays won't necessarily handle them the same way. Alternatively, one other thing you can do is still use your QWERTY keyboard and just put your Braille display in front of it. So if you're using your laptop, you can have your laptop and your display in front of it, or you can plug in um, a keyboard or use a wireless keyboard. What this means is if you're really comfortable with the QWERTY keyboard commands, but less so with the Braille display commands, but you still want that Braille output, then you can use those standardized keyboard commands on your QWERTY keyboard and still read in Braille. This is actually something I really like to do because I would say I'm a very efficient user, particularly of Windows using a QWERTY keyboard. I can use Windows proficiently with a Braille display. I don't like it particularly. I love having Braille outputs. I love being able to read in Braille. That's something very important to me, but actually navigating my computer using a Braille display, it's fine and I, I do do it and I can do it, but I know these keystrokes really well. So actually I can use my QWERTY keyboard and get Braille and to me that's the best of both worlds. And there's no shame in doing that. There's no shame in mixing and matching your technology and saying, well, I prefer doing it this way in this situation and then I prefer just a Braille display in another situation. Also, if you really aren't comfortable handling the technology, you may be in a position to have someone else move between the slides for you. This is where you'll verbally control the presentation. So you'll be speaking and you'll say, oh, next slide. And that person will click the next slide for you. Now, you should still know how to navigate through the slides using your display. But it's worth mentioning that it isn't just blind people who sometimes have someone else controlling a display, um, a presentation for them. Particularly in group projects, one person is responsible for managing the transitions between slides and the other presenters just give them a nod or in the case of a blind person, maybe verbally tell them when to move between those slides. And it's totally okay if you want to do that. The most important thing is that you find a solution which is effective for you. Finally, I'm going to talk about one thing that concerns me as a blind person, and I'm sure concerns many of you, which is how do I know my presentation is on screen and displaying correctly? 
while this isn't specifically a braille question, I think it's a concern that's shared by many blind people and it really deters us from delivering presentations. And actually, if we're going to get the most out of it, we need to know how to do this. So this is partly why I tend to use the blank presentation theme or the more simplistic theme in Google Slides, because I can guarantee that it's going to be minimalistic and that I'm going to have less problems with it not displaying correctly. It's good to keep bullet points on presentations short and slides less overwhelming. They're designed to be a visual aid and it's okay to have a large number of slides, but with each one having a smaller, more manageable amount of content. So this will prevent the slide from appearing cluttered. And I know this was something I really had to adjust to as a blind person because I could write all this content and I didn't think it looked particularly cluttered. And then people would go, whoa, that's a lot for a slide. So I, again, always err on the side of caution. I'll write a few bullet points and then maybe start a new slide. So for context, I sometimes receive presentations as a university student that have over 40 or 50 slides. So this is fairly typical. And I was shocked at first. I was like, wow, okay, this is not what I thought. But it did really highlight to me that it's okay to have less content on each slide and make that content more valuable and have a greater number of slides. You can use screen reader commands to check the format of your text. So for example, in JAWS and NVDA, you can use the um, insert key and off, and that will tell you about the font. So it, it means you won't have accidentally bolded something or right aligned your entire presentation by accident without realizing. So I do recommend being really familiar with these screen reader commands because they will save you a whole lot of headache later on. Adding images is absolutely more tricky. As I've said, in terms of how you know as a blind person what those images are, use the alt text because that will save you um, some hassle when you're presenting. But there's just no way as a blind person to know if the image is centered perfectly or if it's been overly compressed or if it's falling off the screen. Unfortunately, the only solution really is to work with someone who can give you visual feedback. If you're a disabled student, you're absolutely entitled to this kind of support through DSA. And likewise, in the workplace, this might be some kind of support you receive through access to work. But if you're creating the presentation for something like a fundraising event, you could use Be My Eyes or Ira. And these are both visual interpreting services. Um, Be My Eyes is actually free and Ira is a paid solution and they work slightly differently. This isn't, I should say, a product endorsement for either of these uh, products, but more of a mention that they exist. And it's something to explore if you're a blind person who finds you're kind of solo delivering a lot of presentations. You could also consider jumping on Zoom with a friend or colleague to test the presentation in advance or using TeamViewer so that they can view your screen. And it's also worth remembering that when you're reading your presentation in Braille, if you're using Unified English Braille as your Braille output, you'll be able to gain certain information about the format of that text. For example, is it bolded? Is it italicized? Is it in all caps? And I would recommend being very conscientious of that and paying attention to it because it can tell you a lot about your text. And particularly if you're on a slightly larger display, you'll be able to see things like if your text is centered, I would say this isn't always reliable because sometimes displays can do interesting things with wrapping. So we are actually at 10 past, so we have 20 minutes left and I now want to open up to the chat and for any questions. Great, so th thanks for that, Holly. That, that was really, really informative. You know, I think that's a, a great example of, 
of how you could, in theory, just Google all of this stuff, but it really, really helps to to hear from someone who's actually done it before. And um, yeah, I, I know I know that I've learned a lot. So uh, what I thought we'd do, if it's okay with you, is I'll I'll talk a little bit about how to raise hands, uh, just in case anyone doesn't know. Um, we'll we'll put that out there, and then we'll we'll go to some really interesting questions we've got in the chat, just to give people a bit of time to raise hands, and then we'll go to uh, questions from people who want to speak. If if that works for you, that sounds great. Yeah. Okay, so so we've got a few good, uh, well, a few very good questions actually in the chat. Uh, so in no particular order, uh, is there a way to stop everyone from hearing your screen reader when you're presenting virtually? I find that when I use Zoom, everyone can hear JAWS, but not if I use Google Meet or Teams, and I don't think I'm doing anything differently. So yes and no, it really depends on your system settings. So sometimes, for example, in Zoom, if you're screen sharing, and it really depends on the context of what you're saying, if you're screen sharing, then you may have it set for actually the your desktop sound to come through. So you may want to change that. Now, this can be tricky because you may actually want your desktop sound to come through if as part of your presentation, there's a video. So I would really, really recommend, I, I mentioned this at the very, very beginning, but I did kind of rush through it, is setting your screen reader output to something very different from the rest of your desktop output. And that may involve, if you're using a headset for all of these, something like virtual audio cable, which starts to get into kind of more complicated sound settings. Um, but I can expand on that in the handout if that would be helpful, because I do think that's a good point about presenting virtually. Definitely, uh, definitely important in today's environment. Um, yeah. Now, I'll, uh, I've just remembered that I didn't actually give the instructions for raise hand, so I'll just quickly go through that now. If you'd like to raise your hand for a question, you can do so by pressing Alt-Y on Windows, Option-Y on Mac, star 9 if you're dialing in via phone or if you're on an iDevice such as an iPhone, iPad or iPad Touch, uh, iPod Touch. If you press the More button at the bottom right of your screen, you'll find the Raise Hand button. And we will uh, come to your questions very shortly. We've got two more questions in the chat, and then uh, we'll go to Raised Hands. Uh, so next question, uh, will Braille read you a picture slide? And if not, how do you describe a picture slide if it was given to you at the beginning of the presentation. So, yeah, so this is kind of, there's two layers to this answer. So if you're building the presentation yourself, what I really recommend is when you add that picture, use the alt text feature. And I didn't go over um, in this, the specific keystrokes for doing that, however they are on the handout. Um, so what alt text, as I mentioned, is, we called alternative text is not viewed by a sighted person but yes if you're using a display you will be able to access it if you receive a presentation from someone else and they have chosen not to include alt text unfortunately there isn't a lot you can do about that as a blind person beyond using some kind of um, auto image recognition software like seeing ai and interestingly in microsoft they can auto generate alt text with mm, want to say inconsistent results sometimes good results sometimes not always so great results so that is an option um 
Otherwise, unfortunately, you just have to ask the person delivering the presentation to describe the image they've included. So it really depends if you're building that presentation yourself or have the capacity to edit it. Yes, you can make it so that Braille will access that alt text. If someone else hasn't chosen to do that, unfortunately, you just have to ask them for a description. Thanks for that, Holly. And um, I, I agree with the uh, uh, Microsoft alt text, uh, generated alt text. It can be uh, slightly interesting sometimes, not always accurate. And uh, the, the other interesting thing that you sometimes find is that if uh, people don't include alt text, you sometimes get the uh, time that the photos was taken. So that's a, a great way of figuring out whether someone's uh, done a presentation at the very last minute or very yeah. early in the morning or late at night. Um, one more question from the chat for now, then we'll go to Hans, because we've got a good few hands raised now. Uh, from your experience, is it imperative for a totally blind person to have sighted assistance when presenting slides to a sighted audience? And is it recommended to so when uh, lecturing on a topic which requires slides that the blind person could uh, never see? This is a really great question. I don't think it's imperative. So I think there are advantages to having someone check over your presentation in advance, particularly if you're a perfectionist. I am. I get very hung up about making mistakes. So I will use a service like Ira because I can use that service on my own terms to check my presentation in advance and do things like, oh, does the formatting look okay? It's not required though. And you can absolutely build a presentation go to, let's say, your university, deliver it to your sighted classmates, do a great job as a blind person and not need a sighted person to be involved. You don't have to. I think a lot of this is down to personal choice. Now, if you don't have access to those slides, it's going to be very difficult for you to present. So if, for example, someone else has produced a presentation and then asked you to present um this is why I really advocate for having them available in Braille as well, because you need to be able to see what's on those slides to refer to them as a sighted person would. This isn't necessarily having a sighted person involved. It's just having equal access to those materials. Definitely really good points to consider. So we'll check in with the chat once again towards the end of the session, but I know we've got a, a fair few hands raised now. So we're going to come to Theo first, then Claudia. And just as a reminder, if you'd like to raise your hand, it's Alt Y on Windows, Option Y on Mac. If you're dialing in by phone, you can press star nine. And if you're on a live device, such as an iPhone, iPad or iPad Touch, if you press the more button at the uh, bottom right of your screen, and press the raise hand button, we will come to you shortly. Uh, so Theo, uh, you are first, I'll just unmute you now. You're good to go. Hey, Theo. Hi, well, well, yes, I have a question. I also have something to contribute. So the question is that it, it, you said that you could sort of could customize what was outputted where, so you can have the screen reader coming out of headphones, for example, and the audio from the slides coming out of the computers and particularly with zoom and stuff how would you set that up so that very much depends on what screen reader you're using um also what version of windows you're using i would hope these days windows 10 but there's no guarantees in the world i'm sure someone's still using xp somewhere um so it really really depends um and whether you need to use something like virtual audio cables. So for example, in NVDA, when you go into the settings in 
the synthesizer settings, you can actually choose the output there for your screen reader. Um, so you could set it to your headset and then set the default output of your computer to your speakers, which would then output anything in PowerPoint, for example, to your speakers. So it really depends on your system. Um, what I can do in the handout is link to some of the more common ways with instructions, if that would be helpful. Yes, okay, thank you. And I'm always, and I'm also curious to know how to do this with JAWS and then also Google Meets and Teams because like I do all my lessons on Google Meets. So that, that, that yeah. it would be helpful to know how to, for example, do, do that with Google Meet okay. when you're trying to share audio. Okay. And also, the thing I have to contribute is about that that I have been able to create a PowerPoint on. Basically, I have Google Drive file stream installed because my school uses Google Drive, and I have been able to create PowerPoints in Google Drive. So it's not mm -hmm. always Google or Microsoft. So you can upload PowerPoints to Google Drive, and then then it, they can be converted to slides. Some of the formatting is lost, but if you, if I'm trying to do work with the group, sometimes they can import some of the work I've done, and then sort and then edit that in the Google slides because I find PowerPoints easier. Yeah, this is definitely an option if you're doing group projects and say someone in the group is what I would do at uni is I would write my own slides, but I would let someone else take charge of formatting because I was like, I'm not going to be the best at this in the group. And I think people are understanding as long as you do your fair share of the work. So that is also a good point that there is cross compatibility. So you can output from Google Slides to PowerPoint and also you can upload a PowerPoint to Google Slides. The main concern is formatting. So that's thing where you've got to invest a bit of time but if it's a deal breaker then it's worth knowing about those things definitely uh, very much a case of playing to your strengths in group work as well i yeah. find thank you for that theo uh, we've got a, a few more hands raised with uh just over 10 minutes to go i'm going to go to claudia first and then after claudia we're going to go to james uh hey claudia uh, claudia you are good to go hello um I I know you said to kind of make a couple of slides if you have a lot of content to put in your PowerPoint. And I also know that when you write writing in the slides, sometimes it can overflow because I was doing a presentation myself and somebody next to me said, well, it overflows, so you better create a new slide to split them up. Would you... I don't know, do you have a guide of, I don't know how many lines would you put in the slide or is just a, would you then, or maybe would you rely on the sighting as assistance? So I guess I kind of do both of these things. So I really try and limit myself to only a few bullet points per slide and I try and keep those bullet points brief. So whereas if I was speaking, I might deliver a really long sentence, what I may do is just put the statistic in the bullet point and then I'll expand on that as I speak and so I really try and do it that way and then once I've built my presentation I just go through it with someone rather than having someone with me as I build it because that would take up loads of their time I design the whole thing and then I just get someone to quickly glance over it and make sure that there's no overflow okay thank you Thanks for that, Claudia. Uh, we're going to come to James next. And after James, we're going to come to uh, last, but by no means least, for now at least, uh, we're going to come to Edward Bates. But for now, uh, James, you are uh, now unmuted. Thank you. I just wanted to uh, pick up on a couple of points. First, um, let's talk about Claudia's point. Um, how do you know if it's over full? Um, 
if you're using JAWS and PowerPoint, it does actually give you warnings, like there are one too many lines uh, based on the current font size. It's a useful thing to have turned on. Um, I also wanted to talk about the, the audio coming back through Zoom from your speech synthesizer. As this is a Braille session, I'm going to be quite candid and say, have you considered turning your speech off? <laughs> in the screen reader. Um, so most screen readers do provide a, a keystroke to turn the voice off. Um, in JAWS, for example, it's insert and space followed by the letter S. In NVDA, I think it's the NVDA key and the letter S. Yeah, and other screen readers also have keys as well to do it. So while you're presenting, turn the speech off and just use the Braille. Um, you know, and then of course you can, you can still use some of the screen reader hotkeys, I think. Um, like check the battery status or check the time or read the window title, etc. should you wish to, but that will come out through the, the thing. The other point, of course, about audio headphones. Um, Holly mentioned headphones, having a headphone in, in, in one ear if you need to, to check the speech. Um, there we go. Well, thanks for the tip about JAWS. Yeah, that's definitely true. I think sometimes, uh, certainly when I'm formatting text, whether it's PowerPoint or a Word document, I turn on far more of my speech settings than I otherwise would. And I'm, I, you know, I set different settings for different programs as well, which is always something to consider. Um, as for using your screen reader with no speech, I, I do think there are use cases for that, and this would certainly be one because. If you're a proficient enough Braille reader to be delivering a presentation in Braille, you should be able to manage without the screen reader output. And you are correct that you can still use those screen reader commands. Thanks for that, James. Uh, some great tips there. We only have uh, one more hand raised now, that is Edwards. So um, after Edward, we'll just quickly revisit the chat and, uh, oh, and we're uh, right on cue. Uh, as is often the case here, we have uh, a few more hands raised now. Uh, so we're gonna come to Edward Bates and then we're gonna come to Marsha. So uh, Edward, I have just unmuted you now and you're good to go. Yeah, good evening. Thanks, thanks for this and thanks for the presentation, Holly. Uh, I've got a quick point about when you're actually presenting the presentation. Now, I know you said that you could set timers uh, for how many seconds you get between each slide. Could you just explain that a bit more? Because I'm thinking if I'm present presenting something, I don't want to sort of jump forward without, you know, me sort of having any control over it. Do you have to actually manually input those time settings? Or is that sort of like set in the presentation anyway before you start presenting to the crowd? Does that make sense? Yeah, this makes sense. So that is actually when you're using PowerPoint and presenter mode, which is where your presentation, this is not an ideal mode if you're putting your presentation on a big screen. Um, I, this is more, it doesn't switch the slides for you. It's more of a timer so that you can say, practice your presentation and time yourself delivering it. And then it has this helpful built-in timer so you can look at how many minutes it took you to deliver your presentation. And you can absolutely disable that timer as well. There's a pause button right on, on there. So you can just pause that. I wouldn't recommend using that mode if you're actually delivering your presentation. If it's on a screen, you really want it in slideshow mode at that point so that it's in full screen. And in when it's in a slideshow mode, it doesn't automatically move it or have a timer. Okay, yeah, thanks very much. 
Thanks for that, Edward. Uh, some great uh, questions there and something that I think we, we could all do if knowing, actually. Uh, so we're going to come to uh, Marsha next. And uh, then we actually have a, a few questions in the chat. So unless we have any other hands, we might uh, visit the chat again. But for now, uh, Marsha, you are unmuted. Ah, thank you very much. Um, this I have to say, uh, a good comment there is that this presentation could not come at a better time as this afternoon at four my time, I've got to actually give a presentation to a class on oh. musical description and theater and how it all kind of comes together. Um, anyway, um, I was wondering Number one, where could I grab those handouts, particularly in light of the PowerPoint stuff? And no. so anyway, and um, so that's, that's the big thing is where can I grab those handouts? <laughs> yes, so the handout will go up on our website. However, what I'm going to do quickly is paste in the chat a link to... Um, the PowerPoint commands so that you can at least access those quickly. Okay, so that would be Alt H, I guess, for the chat, right? Yeah, yeah, and that links in there, so that um, that gives you a whole list of keyboard commands when using PowerPoint, and it's a really, really handy list, I think, anyway. Thanks for that, Marcia. Um, so, just going to. Uh, come to some questions. Uh, lots of comments in the chat uh, uh, thanking uh, predominantly you actually for, for such a great presentation. I'd, I'd have to agree on that. I, I know I've learned a lot as I say and uh, lots of people thanking everyone for the tips that people have uh, have given throughout as well. Uh, just a couple of, of comments. Uh, George Bell notes that um, he knew a Brailleist who actually had presentation notes in a sort of small A5 booklet of Braille. Um, if, uh, you know, I assume that they maybe weren't as uh, confident with, uh, with uh, PowerPoints or similar as other people. So definitely a couple of different ways of doing things. Um, interesting question from Carla. Is there, is there a way of viewing presentations in Teams? I would like to turn my speech off and read it in Braille. I personally, and this is just my personal experience and may not reflect the accessibility of Teams, I have found viewing presentations in Teams an absolute nightmare. Um, the best way I've found is to ask whoever's delivering it to drop me the file, which they can fairly easily do on Teams, and then I can open it in PowerPoint and follow along. I know that's not the greatest answer. That's the workaround I've found. I'm using Teams exclusively at university, and... Perhaps there is a way of viewing them. Um, I find teams in general completely baffling um, and not as robust as most Microsoft products. So unfortunately, that's been my solution. Yeah, so so my my understanding, I'm more of a Zoom person than, than Teams. I, I much prefer it like, like you. Uh, but my understanding is that with Teams, if someone shares their... If someone shares a presentation as opposed to their screen, which may also contain the presentation, but if someone shares the presentation, that is meant to be accessible. However, 
it, it's that old uh, it's that old chestnut of uh, accessible versus usable so uh, some some things there uh, perhaps um, if someone shares a Google Slides presentation, what are the keystrokes to edit it? Uh, it's uh, for a student who's using a BrailleSense, Polaris, and JAWS. Um, so I'm assuming you're using your BrailleSense as a display rather than as a standalone device, um, because that will absolutely change things. So I found that when someone shares it with me, it actually just opens it up in editing mode. Though what you have to make sure is that that person has given you permission to edit it. If not, what you can do is save that document as a copy to your Google Drive, and then you'll be able to edit it. And uh, unless you want to do any more, I think this may be our last question from the chat. Apologies to anyone that we didn't get to, uh, but I thought it was quite a, an interesting one, actually. Um, they've all been interesting, but maybe approaching presentations or accessible presentations from an angle that we haven't thought of perhaps as much. Uh, are there documents to show you how to make accessible PowerPoints out on the web or do you have to uh, get help from a specialist uh, organization? If so, who? So I, I guess this is about uh, making PowerPoints that are accessible uh, if, if a blind person wants to consume them? Yes, yeah, so this is a really good question. Actually, this is another reason why I really um, value Microsoft because all these documents are available in their um, help section of the website. So if you actually look on the Microsoft Office website and, and their help system, you can find documents on producing accessible presentations, including how to add alt text, adding captioning, things like that. And so I will put the links to those specific ones in the handout, but they are available on the website and they're, they're free to access and they're produced by Microsoft. So the beauty of this is that they stay up to date because um, Microsoft reflects the latest changes to Office in these documents, which I find personally really helpful. Great. Thanks for that, Holly. And uh, I believe we, we managed to get through everyone. Uh, and once again, many thanks for all the uh, incredibly kind comments that you've uh, been writing in the chat throughout all the session. But I think right now, maybe we'll hand over to Holly and Dave to wrap things up. Yeah, so just briefly, I want to say thanks to everyone for coming along. I'm really glad so many of you found it informative. If you do have more questions, you can email help at braylist.org and they will get forwarded on to the relevant person, whether it's me or someone else. Um, this will go up on our media page at braylist.org slash media. Next week, we'll be continuing with the presentation theme, but we'll be talking more about public speaking settings so where you don't have slides to go along with it. You're standing up and delivering a speech. So how do you produce cue cards in Braille? How do you actually set up the room to manage using a Braille display or your folder of notes? All these kinds of things that you need to think about as a blind public speaker. So I'll be going over all of those next week at the same time. So that email address, again, is help at braillists.org. If we didn't get to your question this evening, many apologies. Busy session, over 75 people on the call at one point. So help at braillists.org. If you want to carry on the conversation, you can, of course, join the Braillist Forum, which you can find from the braillists.org website, braillists.org slash forum. Uh, we're on Twitter at braillists.org. 
And if you would like to avail yourself of a copy of the handout that will accompany uh, this evening's session, that will be available on our media page, braillist.org slash media. That's braillist.org slash media. Uh, if any doubt, uh, drop us an email and uh, we can point you to those uh, resources. Thank you very much to Ben Musselrose for moderation and to Holly Scott Gardner for your presentation on presentations this evening. It's been uh, very informative. I've certainly picked up a couple of uh, uh, hints along the way and we look forward to next week's uh, session, which will be taking presentations to the next level and focusing on public speaking. Book Club's back on Thursday, Open Forum on Friday, Rail for Beginners on Monday. You should know the routine by now. From all of us here at The Braillists, take care and until next time, bye for now.